Hello? Merry Christmas to you all. Now keep that passage open in John chapter 1. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for time this morning to stop and to reflect upon the real deal and who Jesus truly is. We ask, please, that you would show us the right way to respond to him. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, our little Johnny and big Johnny were good boys. And they, uh, they, they knelt by their bed one evening to pray. It was getting close to Christmas time and little Johnny thought that he'd get in. So he thought, I'm going to pray to Jesus and ask Jesus to tell Santa what it is that I want. So he starts praying and big Johnny's there next to him and they're on their knees and they're praying away and little Johnny's praying, dear Jesus. And then he starts speaking really loudly. Can I please have a PlayStation and a bike? And Big Johnny goes, Little Johnny, what are you doing? God's not deaf. And Little Johnny says, well, no, but Grandma is. Ah, <laughs> oh, we laugh, don't we? I got a better laugh than you, Joe, wherever you are. My joke was better. <laughs> At Christmas time, it's just this collection of things that fills everything. Whether it's gifts or the stories that we tell, the rituals, the traditions, the family, the food. It's so easy to lose sight of the real deal because of the overcrowding that happens. Now this morning, I want us to stop and just pause for a moment and consider the real Jesus. I want to stop and think about not the baby in the manger, Jesus. Not the one that's easy to just goo and gar over and forget about, but the real true, powerful, significant Jesus. So I chose, well, I chose John 1 for this morning's talk. It's not the usual Christmas gospel story. You might have been expecting shepherds and, uh, and wise men or astrologers and all the rest of it. But instead we get John 1, which is a Christmas passage. I don't know if you noticed on the way through in verse 14, we read, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. This word become flesh. And my aim is to show you Jesus for who he is. That's what I want to do this morning. Show you Jesus for who he is. I want to move you such that you will receive him as Lord and God. Such that you will embrace him as the single greatest treasure you could possibly have. I want to move you, if you are already somebody that has received Jesus, to embrace him all the more and to treasure him all the more and to delight in him all the more and to follow him all the more and to honour him and to be his disciple and to display him all the more. I'm going to do this. I want to teach you five truths about this word become flesh. Five truths. Number one. It's there in verse 17, and it's kind of obvious you already know it. This word made flesh is named Jesus Christ. We know who it is, right? It's there in verse 17. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Not a surprise. Christmas, Jesus, they go together, don't they? But the bit that's a bit surprising to us is the name. Jesus Christ isn't his full name. It's not Mr. Jesus Christ. You can call him Mr. Christ if you're going to write a letter to him. In fact, it should probably be the other way around, just Christ Jesus, because Christ is the title to Jesus, the name, right? Mr. David Blouse, Christ Jesus. And they have meaning, 
Christ is a title that means king. This is King Jesus, a special king, God's chosen king, not a dynasty, not a by right of birth king, but because God chose king. And the name has a meaning. I'm curious, who knows the meaning of their own name? Put your hand up if you know the meaning of your own name. There you go, that's pretty good. The rest of us have some homework to do. Right, Jesus, its meaning is very simple. God saves. God saves. There you go. So Christ Jesus, King, God saves. Doesn't quite work as well, so we say Christ Jesus instead. Well, there's the first truth you need to know. This word made flesh is named Jesus Christ. This word made flesh is God's chosen king, who is also God's salvation. Second truth. The word made flesh existed as God and with God before he was made man on earth. Let me say that again. The word made flesh existed as God and with God before he became a man on earth. It's there in verse 1. Look right back at the start of the chapter. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now it's kind of hard to understand to be honest because you stop and think for a moment, hang on. If you are with someone, then you are not that someone. And if you are that someone, then how can you be with that someone? How can you say that Jesus is both God and with God? Now, hard as it is for us to understand, it is true. Jesus is fully God. And God the Father is fully God. Two persons, two distinct persons, and yet both God. It makes it even crazier to say that Jesus became a man. Stop and reflect on that for a moment. God, pre-existent God, the eternal, immortal, all-powerful one, became flesh, entered into our world. And it's why Jesus is worthy of worship, the sort of worship that you only give to God. Have you found it strange that we sing songs to Jesus and we pray to Jesus and we ask Jesus to do the things that only God can do? So, the Word made flesh is Jesus. Jesus is this one. Jesus is God and was with God from the very beginning. Third lesson, before becoming flesh, he was called the Word. Isn't that strange? I mean, it was there again, verse 1. In the beginning was... The Word. Why was Jesus called by John the Word? I mean, what else could he be called? Maybe uh, the deed or the thought, perhaps the feeling. He couldn't have been called the rock, already taken. Sorry, Jesus. But why the Word? By Peter, yeah, that's right. The true rock before, uh, yeah. I wonder what his wrestling move was. Why the Word? See, words communicate in a way that deeds, thoughts, even feelings don't. Words communicate clearly, unambiguously. The very existence of Jesus, the very existence of the Son of God is for communication. First of all, communication, divine communication with the Father, but also for divine communication with us. Do you want to know God? Would you like to walk out of here today? With all the tools you need to know God, then what you need to do 
is to meet him in Jesus. Jesus is where God reveals himself to us. Okay, so the Word made flesh is the Lord Jesus. He is God and was with God. Before becoming flesh called the Word, he is God's revelation to us. Fourth lesson, everything that exists, everything that was created, was created through him. Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And you know what? That includes you. It's not that he made everything back when it began. He made, you know, the billions of years ago, whatever it was, and whether it was the Big Bang or God making or whatever it is that happened, it's not that God did it way back then and then that's it. He just let it run its course. Still, everything that happens and exists is from him. Your life is from him. And so when he comes to meet us, he comes with the maker's claim. He comes and he's able to say, you are mine because I made you. You are mine. That's a rather challenging thought when you think about how we respond to him. Look at verse 10, that description of how we responded to Jesus. Jesus was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. You and I are guilty of rejecting our very maker. It's just default. That's where we start. That's the reality of our existence. By our very nature, we say to him, no. And yet he is the creator. So the word made flesh is Jesus, the saviour and king. He is God. He is God's revelation to us. He is the creator of all things. And fifthly, Jesus has life. A life that becomes the light of men. It's there in verse 4. In him, in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness had not overstood it. Now, of course, he has life in himself. He made it. He gives life. Of course, he has life. But you've got to stop and think about that for a moment. We live in a world that is full of death. It's the reality around us. The suffering that has come as a consequence of the fact that we reject the source of life. If you reject the source of life, what is left but death? If you reject the source of light, what is left but darkness. No wonder that's our world. You and I are spiritually deaf, spiritually dead, and spiritually blind. All on our own. But Jesus overcomes it all. He gives life, that we might be born again. And he gives light. And he gives light. What do you see when you were in darkness and suddenly you have light? What is it that you can see? Well, you can see Jesus clearly. You can see him that you might come back into right relationship with God. Jesus is the saviour and the king. Jesus is God himself come into our world. Jesus is God revealing himself to us. Jesus is the one who made you and who has the maker's claim on you. And Jesus is the one who offers you life and light and love.
I hope you see him clearly. You're not just the baby in the manger, happy to look at and ignore and forget about for another year. But the one whose claims are truly substantial and you need to respond to. And you can choose to respond in one of two ways. You can respond now in one of two ways and you can continue responding in one of two ways. First way, don't know, don't care. Just file Jesus away with all the other impossible things and all the other stories that we have about Christmas. And just, yeah, it's a nice thing once a year. And That's our default. Don't want to know him. Don't want to receive him. Now, if that's you, I'll tell you from my perspective, that's a scary thing for you. Because there will be consequences. That's a sad thing. Because you are choosing to pass up on the most marvellous treasure imaginable. You're choosing to go for the little bonbon trinkets instead of the really nice expensive gift that you know your mother-in-law buys you every year, right? You just... I want to invite him into your life. Accept him as the greatest treasure you could possibly have. Seek to meet God on his terms. Because that is the other way you can respond, right? I do know him and I want to receive him. You've seen his glory, the one who is full of grace and of truth. Listen to the blessings that come in verse 12. To all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You can come and be one of his own. You can come back to the source of life and the source of light and the source of love. You can come back and celebrate not just a public holiday, but the birth of the one who is the king of the world and its saviour in his death. Now, if that's you, if you know yourself to be one of God's followers, then I want to encourage you this Christmas, don't lose sight of the real deal. Don't you get caught up with the frippery of Christmas time, the, all the little bits and pieces, and Jesus, well, I've done church, I've done my thing, and I can now get on with everything else, right? I wonder, what sort of a witness would it be, wherever it is that you're going to go today, whatever family you're going to be with, friends, even yourself at home, if you'd stop for an hour today and read through one of the Gospels, Don't do that, David. Not on Christmas Day. Come on. You're going to guilt me into doing it. I'm just saying, what sort of a witness would it be to the people around you for you to say, Christmas is about Jesus and I'm going to make it about Jesus? Do the people that know, the people you're going to spend time with today know that Jesus is what matters the most to you at Christmas? And if they don't, how can you show it to them? There's lots of things that happen at Christmas. There's lots of gifts that you could have. You heard the one, right, about the man who was walking down the street one day and he bumps into Santa and he thinks, here's my chance. Santa, oh, I have a request for a gift, he says. Santa says, well, I don't normally give gifts to grown-ups, but um, I'll make an exception. What do you want? He says, look, I got into surfing recently, but I hate flying. What I really want is a highway to Hawaii. And Santa's just like, what are you... Whoa, hang on. I mean, just think about the amount of concrete required. You have to have some, a structure that can withstand the weather, like you've got the waves, the wind. Just think about refueling. We'd have to build service. That, he became an engineer suddenly, Santa. And uh, he's just like, that, that's, that's impossible. Absolutely. Be realistic. You're going to ask me something, be realistic, all right? The man thinks for a while. And he says, okay, h- how about this then? 
I'll make it so that I can understand women. <laughs> and Santa says, two lanes or four? <laughs> I know what sort of gifts you're going to get. You can have all sorts of gifts, right? All sorts of silliness and Christmas fun and cheer. Make sure you do not pass up the single greatest gift you could ever have. The Lord Jesus Christ offered for you. God himself entered our world to die in your place to give you his life. What more could you want? Have a very Merry Christmas.